So a little bit about myself. I'm, I'm Tom Knockholds, and look, there's really, there's really two big things that I do in my life. One is I'm part of the team at Community Power Agency. Community Power Agency was was founded by Nikki Ison and Jarrah Hicks back in 2010, and Community Power Agency um, seeks to support communities around this com- the country that are doing their own energy projects. Um, there are now uh, over 90 community energy groups around the country and um, um, we're starting to see that sector really flourishing and growing. And the other thing that I do is I'm one of the volunteers and I guess really central volunteers at, at Pingala, a community energy um, organisation founded in Sydney back in 20, 2013. And I volunteer, I volunteer my time at Pingala. And today I'm talking to you mostly with my Pingala hat on. Um, and what I'm going to cover off is first of all to explain more about who Pingala is. I want to always lead with explaining what our values and our vision are as an organisation. And I know that a lot of the people I speak to, like yourselves, are all in the same, we're all on the same page on this stuff, but there are also subtleties and differences, and and it's important to acknowledge those differences and similarities where they exist. So that's why I always want to start with that, that sort of why does Pingala do what it does, why does it exist? And then mostly what I'm going to be talking about tonight is about a piece of collaborative work that I've been doing with Kevin Cox about developing a new cooperative business model for for funding energy co-ops. And I have to really pay... (laughs) give all due um, recognition to Kevin for all of these ideas. Uh, I think that really what, what my role here is is to um, tr- translate a lot of what Kevin's talking about, co- collaborate, bring it into existence through talking about it um, and, and ultimately delivering it through uh, through the Pingala Cop platform um, and so forth. So... Um, Pingala, we've been around for quite a while, um, and you might you might have heard of us because we installed solar panels on the roof of the Young Henry's Brewery in Sydney, um, and we did that as a crowdfunding equity event, and, and and installing solar panels on the roof of a super cool craft brewery is a really good idea if you want to get your name known out there. Mm. It's given us a lot of publicity. Um, it's the only project we've done, and by one measure, we haven't achieved much in the sort of four years that we've been we've been operating. But by another measure, we've actually achieved a lot because we've built up a really large brand and profile and reputation. It's it's far bigger than sort of who we are and what we've actually done. Um, and I think the reason for that is because we've taken the slower journey of of spending time to listen, and talk, and 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 express what it is that we're about. And there's this. Um, adage that says you can you can go quickly on your own or you can go a long way a long way by taking people with you and it feels like we've we've, we've taken that latter part part feels like we're really taking people with us and and our goal is certainly to go a long way so as part of that we've we've spent a lot of time talking about what it is that we do and on the one hand it feel could feel that a lot is happening as being a lot of navel gazing and talking not doing but on the other hand, it is part of our strength as an organisation, but that we can very clearly talk about what it is that we do. So I'm going to talk now about a couple of things, which is our 
our context of what we think is wrong with the current situation and, and our vision for what, we, what can be done about it. So the, the best way that I know to talk about the context is to describe how our energy systems currently structured, um, how our energy electricity system works. And the story starts with an awful black hole in the ground. We dig up coal, we truck and train it to a nearby power station, we burn it to make electricity. We then transmit it to our towns and cities, where we get to flick on the light switch and enjoy that electricity, while the local communities are left to deal with the devastation. Very real environmental devastation, literally turning the landscape upside down. Um, but also really significant health impacts on those communities as well. And then we think about who's getting the benefit of owning all of this stuff. And usually it's shareholders on a distant stock exchange. In Sydney, if you're lucky, sometimes further afield, like in Singapore or New York or something like that. And so we think that's fundamentally broken and unfair system. This three-way disconnect between the impact people who are being impacted and the environmental damage, people that are using the energy and the people that are benefiting from owning the energy. And so what Pingala is all about is building a fairer energy system. We, we think that we can plug a lot of, solve a lot of the problems that exist in that, in that uh, dynamic of the way our energy system currently works. Um, and in particular, we think we can solve that by br bringing people together by bringing the, the owners of the system and the, the, the users of the energy you know, much closer to each other, by getting rid of the environmental devastation as much as possible, um, by, by really creating a, a network of people that, that have a vision for building fairer energy. So that's really what uh, Pingala is all about. I'll just explain what we did with our first project. Um, what we essentially did is we were really inspired by other community energy groups that were, were pioneers more than we were. So there's organisations like Repower Shoalhaven on the south coast um, and uh, Clear Sky Solar Investments in the northern beaches in Sydney. And what we saw was, was some things that we really liked. They, they, they developed some really efficient ways of doing, uh, raising, raising investment funds from community members using some sort of business model, typically uh, creating uh, you know, some sort of project vehicle, special purpose vehicle that they could invest into, buying solar panels and, 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 and installing them on the roof of a local business, like a local bowling club, entering into some sort of arrangement like a power purchase agreement where that bowling club would, would buy the electricity, generating a surplus and, and providing a dividend back to, back to the shareholders. Um, so we really, we really adapted and adopted and adapted existing existing business models from groups like Repower Shoal Heaven and Clear Sky, and we changed them in a subtle way that made them a little bit more our own. And one of the key changes we made is rather than creating a single special purpose vehicle based on a company for every single project, we didn't like a lot of what that represented. It meant that. Um, uh, investors were isolated into an individual project where if something went wrong, um, they would bear all the risks. If it was overperforming, they would get all the rewards. Um, and we thought 
what what a better model would be would be where people are sharing the benefits and the burdens more fairly. And so rather than create a, a special purpose vehicle or a single purpose vehicle, we, we, we created a co-op. Well, and I sometimes refer to it as a multi-purpose vehicle because we bundle all of our projects into that one place. So that allows us to sell shares in the co-op, use that money to install solar panels on, on the roofs of local businesses. They lease that off us or well, we just lend them the money effectively. Um, and we, we generate a, a revenue over time that allows us to cover our costs, create a small surplus, and we distribute that surplus to our shareholders via, via a dividend. It's a really simple business model. But in, and, and now that we've done that first project, um, we've started having a look at it, and we're realising that you know, it's got some deficiencies. It was very pragmatic for us to just take the easy path and not get paralysed by the p- pursuit for perfection. Um, we didn't let perfection be the enemy of good we got on and delivered something. Um, and that's definitely the way you should go, but of course then you look back at what you've done and you've seen how you would improve it. So looking back at it, I think that what we've done is we've, we've done a really good job of shoehorning a corporate business model into a cooperative structure or adopting a corporate business model for a co-op. And I don't think it's right. I think there's some things that are fundamentally, you know, should be improved about that. We've effectively created a single stakeholder co-op. The most common type of co-op, by the way, is a single stakeholder co-op. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. What is actually the biggest issue is that those single stakeholders are investors. And as you know, you're probably going to hear, particularly if, if Kevin chimes in later on, when we have investors in the in these traditional financing arrangements, the investors tend to make it their business to extract more, more and more value, to try and profiteer out of the system. And what, not saying bad things about Pingala's investors or Pingala as it currently stands, but we just think this is a bit of a dangerous structure, especially if our whole reason for existing is, is to deliver a fairer energy system. What we're doing is we're leasing the solar panels to our customers um, um, for a period of time until the finance has been paid back. And then we're actually gifting the solar panels or transferring ownership over to them. Um, now, I think that there's clearly a lot of residual value left in that solar, and we're just giving it away. We're, we're letting it leave our cooperative. Um, and, and I can just imagine a better way of doing that. And that, that, to give you a preview of where we're going here, that would be for young Henrys to actually be a member of the co-op and for the solar panels to remain in cooperative collective ownership over time instead. Young Henrys will be left to maintain that asset on their own and on their own. And there's no one to share that responsibility with. They will have to, when the inverter breaks, they will have to find the money to replace that inverter. When solar panel equipment starts getting old and worn out, they'll have to deal with that on their own. And maybe a better way would be for them to stay part of the cooperative where that burden can be, can be shared. Um, and also in our business model, the host site, or what, what we're calling the host site, but actually the, in this arrangement would be Young Henry's landlord, they're not even considered. All we did is we said, can, can we have permission to install solar on your roof? Um, and they somewhat miraculously agreed, which possibly leads, leads to the next point, which is we, we, we think we have some scalability problems. We have to deal with every single new host site one by one, and we've got to really work very hard to convince them to enter into these arrangements. So what all it takes, for example, is a, a, a customer's landlord to say, no, I don't want you to install solar on my roof, and 
we're done. In fact, that's already happened to us. We had a really enthusiastic potential customer. When we took it to the landlord, the landlord said, no, no. <laughs> So should I leave my questions to the end? No, no, I want to hear questions as oh, we go. Yeah. So yeah. why would a landlord say no when they're getting a free solar uh, system, which they'll own in 10 years' time? Why would a landlord say no? Well, there's a question, first of all, as to whether or not they are actually getting a free system. Because um, certainly during the term of the financing, technically Pingala owns it. And when we transfer ownership to it, we transfer ownership over to the customer or that landlord's tenant. Now we could restructure things to give them to give them ownership, and that would make things more attractive. But it might make things less attractive for the customer who's a tenant in that site. Um, there's also just a lot of risk involved. So, you know, installing solar panels on their roof is it's not required. They don't need to do that to, to continue to receive revenue from tenants in their premises. They can just do nothing. Installing solar panels is not doing nothing. It's making a change, and then there's risk around: Do I am I going to damage my roof? Is there going to is there going to be insurance concerns down the line? And landlords tend not to like that. What we think is going to be possible here is we can actually give the landlords a, a fair share of the of the pie here, and give them a, a nice financial reward, effectively rent their roof space off them, and give them even more money. We think there's financial scalability issues as well. There's some problems with how many projects we need to get on board before we can actually properly cover our costs and pay our pay people to do administration. We assumed it was going to be quite easy, but it's proving to be quite difficult. Now that we've done some more sophisticated models, modeling, and we've, we've um, um, got our first project that we can actually look at. Um, and there's a high risk exposure. So any business could fail, and it's going to have a relatively big impact on, on the Pingala cop. So, what I'd like to do instead, and what I've realised is possible after speaking to Kevin, is that we can actually develop a cooperative business model for our cooperative energy enterprise. And so that's what this is all about. First thing that I want to solve is I want to form an, a model for energy co-ops which is based on multi-stakeholder co-ops. Rather than just investors, let's bring the landlords in, let's bring the, let's bring the, the energy users in. And let's have them all working together in a collaborative way. It's absolutely true that the energy consumer, the energy user, should be the central pillar in all of this. And so, yes, it'll be multi-stakeholder, but instead of being investors who have the central place, it's actually going to be the energy users that are going to have the central place. Um, and I really like the assets to be in collective ownership, to remain in collective ownership. Um, it means we share maintenance, across multiple projects, we're sharing risk, we're sharing that residual value problem as well. And I just, I, I personally just think it's a, it's a much more attractive way of going down the future. So another way of looking at this is, you know, what problems are we solving? I think there's, there's two big problems that, that we're, this is more like systemically what's outside there, that we're, what's outside of us that we're trying to solve these problems. So on the, on the energy side, the way our energy system currently works, there's too many middlemen, they're extracting too much value, they're ripping us off, they're not giving us the energy products that we actually want. And then on the investment side, um, households actually have very limited opportunities to invest in high quality um, and low risk um, investments. And if you want to invest in clean energy, it's actually quite limited. Your options are fairly lean, um, which is why we're seeing lots of Pingala investors coming in. You know, the people are really keen on investing in a clean energy 
project in support of a local business. And so we, Kevin and I, we think the solution is a funding co-op. I'm going to talk about what a funding co-op is first, and then I'm going to talk about what a, a funding renewables co-op will be. Um, so we'll just start with basic concepts first. A funding co-op is going to work really well where buyers of a product or service can also be investors, which is probably pretty much every situation there is out there. So I buy electricity in my home, but I also earn income, and I might like to invest my money somewhere. So I would, uh, yeah, that would that would play out. I perhaps, you know, regularly buy products directly from a certain supplier. Young Henry's Brewery might be an example, uh, and maybe I might like to also in, have an opportunity to invest in in that. Um, I think that these sorts of concepts are probably best used where there's a big infrastructure cost, and then that infrastructure creates the product over time. So solar panels and they generate electricity over time. Um, and fundamentally, the way it works is that the consumers are the ones who fund the business. So what they do is they, they agree to be the customer, they, they agree to buy the product. Um, when they agree to buy the product, they're also given the right to invest. What happens is the consumers are the ones that fund the business, they agree to be the customer, when they become a customer, it comes with rights to invest. But the way they invest is they pre-purchase the product or service. Okay? Now, what you might think is not every customer is going to have money to invest. In fact, we think that most of them probably won't be able to invest. So it's important that those rights to invest can be transferred to others. What the, what the implications of the structures that we're talking about here would mean was that would be that the return on investment is not to receive uh, you know, more money back, but is actually to receive more product for the same amount of money, or to receive the same product for less money, rather than getting money on top of the money that you invested in. And because we're doing this, we've got no financial product, it means it's less expensive to operate the system. And that's twofold. Not only is it because we're removing this concept of renting money or, or having an interest rate on money, but ha having, having a separate system of uh, lending money and collecting payments and selling product and collecting payments for product um, is less efficient than just having one system of selling product, sometimes pre-selling product. So we think it's gonna be less expensive to operate the whole system. Um, and so if we then do del delve into what that might look like in, the, in a renewable funding co-op, the energy users are central, they, they agree to pre-purchase the electricity. The, they're, they're always going to be there because we're talking about households here or businesses. But let's, let's start to focus in on households. So as long as they've agreed to buy energy from the co-op, we can be pretty confident they're always going to do that. They always need energy. Because they're going to be receiving more electricity for the same amount of money, it's really in their interest to stay as a customer buying the energy from the co-op because their alternative is to buy energy from the grid. And that's going to be more expensive. So they're always going to be customers. And that's why they're so central. Not only do we want to empower them, but they're also really critical to the whole, the whole business model and the, the operation of the business model. It's flexible. So pre-purchase, the right to pre-purchase can be transferred to someone else. And this model can cater for host sites, landlord, landowners, and so forth. And the way it can cater for that is we can allow some of the uh, discounts from pay payments to be, be going to those users. 
And then to get even more specific, what we're proposing to do to create the first example of a renewable funding co-op is to do one of them in Canberra here. So it would be for households. Households would sign up with a commitment to buy electricity when it's available to them. Now, at the moment, what that means is that we would actually be able to supply only customers who can have solar panels on their roof. And what we do is we install solar and batteries, or, or we can potentially refinance existing solar systems as well. So just because you've already got solar doesn't mean you can't participate in this. And what we say to those customers is when you buy electricity produced by the co-op system that's, that's on your roof, you'll receive a 20% discount off the grid price, plus a 10% discount for the use of your roof. So really we're offering a 30% discount for owner-occupiers. Or if it's not an owner-occupier situation, you can see how we have solved the split incentive landlord-tenant problem. The landlord just gets money for the use of their roof. The tenant is still getting a really good discount on the, on the grid price of electricity. Just to be clear, we're only talking about the electricity produced by the solar panels. They're still going to have to buy electricity from the retailer for energy at night time or energy needs when the battery's flat, that sort of thing. These so, so you're not you're not putting energy into the grid. You're putting into battery. Uh, yeah, we're we're thinking of solar and battery systems here. That's right. Um, obviously, when the battery is full, it, it exports to the grid. Maybe you might even choose not to ex not not to fill the battery, but to export to the grid because of energy market dynamics at any point in time. Or, or you could go completely off the grid and have not battery. Yeah, you could, but it's quite expensive to get a house off grid. I can explain that to you in a nutshell. What this comes down to is you can put enough solar on, on your roof to cater for your daytime and nighttime needs, and you can have a battery big enough to, to, to look after your nighttime needs. But the problem is, is there are spells of days when it's overcast and raining. So think about how long you need to survive without sun coming onto your solar panels, and then you need to size your battery system up for however many days that is. So here in Canberra, you might go five days. You probably sometimes end up short. These days, you'd reduce your days, you'd probably come down to three days and just put on more cheaper panels. Yeah. Because but even, even on the worst day, they're producing at about 20%. Yeah. So just stack yep. it up with panels if you've got the space. Yep. Point is though, it's three times the size of the battery. Now, when you six times, because it's times. nighttime and daytime. Yeah. So if you compare the size of that battery and the cost to install it with what it costs you to just remain connected to the network, it's about a dollar a day. Three hundred and sixty dollars a year is a really cheap backup battery compared to having a six times size battery. Totally. Yeah. That's that, that's how that that dynamic works in in a in a simple way. So because the energy consumers receive the right to invest, um, we think that's going to be approximately $20,000. Actually, it's what we think they would consume in 10 years. And we need to figure out how we calculate that. But there's ways we can do that. How many kilowatts give you $20,000? Uh, that's more about how much en energy they would, they would use. Right. Yeah. This is all rough numbers at this point in time, by the way. This all needs to be bolted down and more detailed calculations and projections done. So feel free to interrogate and you'll find there's some pretty flimsiness behind it. But we think we're on a good starting point here. This is the, this is the dynamic for an investor. You would contribute that, say $20,000, you would get twice as much money as you invested returned to you over a 15 year period. It's structured like an annuity and we would also adjust it for inflation. So what an annuity is, is simply says, uh, give, me, give me your $20,000, 
I'll give you $40,000 back over a 15-year period. But each, each year will be the same dollar amount. So the financial flows, you can see what they look like is a stack of bars, each, each bar being exactly the same. And the adjusted for inflation is simply saying they don't, they, they don't lose value in real terms against inflation over time. Oh, so I get more. I put in 20,000, I get more than 40,000 because of inflation. Well, you get 40,000 yeah. Yeah. 40,000 plus the inflation rate. Yeah, that's right. And there's a really interesting characteristic about this, that the money come, that comes into the co-op from electricity sales is used to pay the investor annuity payments. There will always be enough money to pay the investors because of this. Or if there's not, then some investors will be invited to extend their annuity. And that will be very rewarding. Being able to say, I've invested $20,000 and I'll get double my money back over 15 years, but actually I won't even start getting my money back until year, 15, year 16, means I'm actually getting, what is it? Triple my money back over 30 years. And that's an incredibly attractive proposition. It's really just the compounding value of money over time. So in this, we'd be in the same boat as everyone else if inflation just skyrocketed, we'd be stuffed. No. Because no. When, when inflation skyrockets, the price of energy goes up. Yes, and you're doing it as a percentage of grid Correct. price. Mm. Yeah. But we also may choose not to. But if, if it doesn't... step it. If it, if it doesn't work out, if there is some problems, we've got to co-op and yes. figure out what the hell to do in this new situation. Yep. Remember, it is, it is a co-op, everybody's in it together. So if some part of it's not working, everybody else can lean in, pitch in and help. And that's fundamentally what the fairness piece is all about. It's about sharing the rewards as much as it's about sharing the risks. We think that the next step is to do, get, get going with doing this and we, we'd like it to be here in Canberra. There's a lot of really good reasons why. Um, well, first of all, you guys exist and in, included in your group is really the brains behind this idea, Kevin. Um, but also Canberra's, Canberra's offering really um, generous incentives for battery installations at the moment. Um, and, the and they're pretty easy government to deal with in terms of... Terms of um, the other important yeah. thing is that we will, we will use reposit power um, because reposit power... Because effectively you've got to be able to measure how much you consume. Reposit power gives us a metering system that's not part of the regular metering system. So we're independent of the grid and independent of the meters that people have on their household. Yeah. The reposit system also pays really well at peak times. Are you familiar with the reposit system? I'm not very familiar with it, but the feature of it that I know of is that in the in the electricity grid, when everybody gets home at five o'clock on the hottest day of the year and switches on the aircon, there's a huge demand for energy. And sitting in the infrastructure of energy production are all these all these blokes just waiting in the wings to switch on their generator and charge a massive amount for each kilowatt hour. You can get $1,000 a kilowatt hour if you're right at the top of that and you wait to sell your electricity right at the, at the peak. Um, so I think the Brown Mountain Hydro System does that. They only produce every mm. now and then. And Reposit? And Reposit has a system where they have a whole lot of decentralised household battery packs, but they're all connected centrally through a communications network, ACTU or whoever the 
whoever's actually doing that says we need more power we've got this much on offer on the on the um, on the spot electricity market and Reposit will get a trigger and go right they push the button that sends the, um, the signal out to all these distributed battery packs and they start exporting from the battery and um, they get the wholesale price at that power, whatever price it is but they also they also get um, money to stabilize the network so that's a really important part of the, the, the increase in price now when you get a lot of the batteries there then those benefits are going to become less with the cooperative all those benefits are shared that's so, right and as things change in the future uh, as as the dynamics of this flexible and adaptable system that we're going to be developing will be more able to handle those changes yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I find interesting is a couple of weeks ago there was an announcement by the South Australian government in conjunction with Tesla that they were going to be installing solar and batteries on 50,000 households. And that sounds very similar to what we're, what we're talking about. It's, it's on a similar scale. Tens of thousands of households doing this would, would, would be easily within the sights of what we're talking about. But the key difference that the South Australian deal would have an end result of those solar and battery systems being in the, in the ownership of Tesla. And Tesla will no doubt then want to make sure they can extract as much value as they want out of those households. With this system that we're talking about, that would be in collective cooperative ownership. And once they're paid off, once the investors have had their really generous return and they're out of the system, potentially the costs can go down quite dramatically. Or you keep the keep the costs higher, and the cooperative decides what they want what to do. What to do with it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What to do with the extra money? So the community decides, not um, some corporation. That's right. Yeah. If your if your cooperative base is largely older people who are retiring and needing to move into nursing homes, maybe they want to invest in a cooperative nursing home, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Thank you mm. very much. Got a few questions. So far, how many have been installed? Uh, under this new yeah. model, zero. This, this, right. is, this is brand new. This, is, okay. this will be the first yeah. one. Right. Yeah. But before that, you did it. One, one single. Oh, one. Yeah. Now, Pingala's future is very simple to explain. We spent three years developing our, 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 our first product, community financing for local businesses, and we sold that product to our first customer, Young Henry's. Um, and it's pretty obvious that we should continue selling that product to more customers. And so that's one direction that we're currently heading in. And, you know, there's loads of efforts to get. I think today, this, this year we're probably going to see Pingala installing between three and nine similar systems. The other path that we have is we've built this really valuable thing, this big brand profile and reputation that's much bigger than we are. We want to capitalize on the value that's sitting there. And so what we're trying to develop is new business models that take advantage of that so, so that we can create step change, dramatic scaling up in what our ambitions are and what we're trying to do. And this is the main initiative under that. Do you um, employ and pay the technicians to install? Or so we're not, we're not a solar installation oh. company. Yeah. So we leave that to the solar industry. They, they, they do that work. I mean, sure, maybe one day down the line as part of our ambition to become a major energy services provider we might want to get into the game of energy installations or maintenance or something but i think that's a long way for us at the moment we're really focused on 
legal financial structures and business models. That's 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 what we're, that's what we're able to do. I think it'd be sensible to have as one of your stakeholders at least a group of people who are capable of maintaining or installing systems. If you're not doing very many, yeah, well, it, absolutely, it could easily be a sideline for someone. That means they get the repeat business. Yeah, they know it's an income stream into the future. Yeah, and you can get to know them and make sure they're going to do a good job. This whole thing is fundamentally. Shoddy installs are. Yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of inspections and. 80% of them in Canberra where the government inspects every single job, mm. 80% of them have quite a bit to do. Right, yeah. 5% have nothing to do. Any aspect where there's, you know, businesses trying to extract as much value and maybe not behaving in the best way, um, maybe they're not even local businesses, so that money that they're generating is leaving the local economy, that's what we're interested in and in, in, in creating local jobs opportunities for local people to keep money in their local economy, that's what Pingala is all about. So, in order to get going, I'm happy to, to start the organising, but I need to get more volunteers who are prepared to spend some time going over things and coming to agreements of just the way in which it can be done and so forth. Because there's a lot of details that have to be organised. Oh, and the other thing is that... Um, there is funding required to do a lot of stuff initially. You've got a, a, a typology of co-op. This is the renewable energy co-op. Right. And then under that, you've got a whole ecosystem of co-ops. So we're proposing the Canberra Renewable Funding Co-op is the first example of a whole ecosystem of co-ops. The supporting co-op that is going to run a bunch of the administration on a centralised basis is Pingala. And there, there would be a revenue stream that would that would allow Pingala to pay for running those things as well. So there's, there's just to be clear about that. There's sort of this multi-tiered service provision co-op delivery model. There's possibly too much information, but I think this is really important for people to understand: is that while Pingala has sprung from Sydney, we don't see ourselves as being geographically Sydney. We did at the beginning, but we don't do it do that anymore. And so. We're going to have a need for people to do administration. Um, we think that we can help communities across the country to do their own energy projects as co-ops. One of the key benefits of doing your own energy projects is you create local jobs. There's no point us creating a job in Sydney. It's better if we can create the admin job locally. So we just totally break this idea that we're going to have some central head office in Sydney. Actually, we want it all to be dispersed and distributed. At, so it's only really at the conceptual or organisational level that we think of these hierarchies, don't think of them as geographic hierarchies. So, in a sense, the reason we're having it under a single Pingala banner, if you like, is because of the brand name, but also because a lot of this stuff is common, and once you've learned in one place, you've got to have a mechanism for being able to take stuff from one place that you've learned in one place and take it to another. So, Pingala would employ people who would be or pay for people who are employed by the Canberra Co-op mm. to administer the Canberra Co-op. Yep. So that that are the big costs associated with this. Once once your software is running, the software itself is relatively cheap to keep going. Um, it's the it's the stuff that you have to pay for is the is the servers and all that sort of stuff. Well, that would be done by the by this extra money that, that has to be collected.
Is there a place for our group here for the co-ops group in Canberra? Or are we just facilitating it as is one, well, one of our I think the, I think the purposes? I think the mechanism that we do is, is this can be applied to any co-op. What the Canberra co-op will be able to do, Pingala's doing it for energy. It's going to be maybe one for health. So the, the Canberra co-op is the one that is telling the health people, well, here's... We don't know with energy. Yeah, here's a model that we use with energy. If we facilitate getting the model proven, then anyone can use it. Correct. And yep. it will be beneficial for Correct. us that yep. way. Yep. Yeah, and that, that wouldn't be a Pingala health thing. That yep. But even in Canberra, I would imagine that we will end up with a lot of different co-ops. Energy, say energy co-ops, for energy example. Co yeah, and mm -hmm. then lots of different health co-ops. Yeah, lots of different energy ones because these things are going to be profitable. They're actually going to earn money. Particularly when you start when you've paid off the investors, the residual stuff is going to be there. Mm -hmm. So these things are going to earn money, and someone's got to decide what to do with that money. If it's too big, you lose you lose the locality, the, the local stuff. So it, all the even just the connection to the other people. Yeah, like, there's too many people. Too many people. Yeah, it doesn't work very well. So we start off with one, but we expect to. Um, expected to divide up into lots of different ones. Well, if there's a bunch of them as well, then that would make sense to have a, um, a relationship with, say, a, a budding electrical solar co-op who okay. can do the installation yeah, and then the maintenance yeah. because they'll be able to serve a whole bunch of them and eventually build their own cooperative business just mm. on that mm. um, and just ease into it as, yeah. it, as it grows. Mm. So that's the, that's the concept. I'm just going to go on a crazy tangential thing. For me, this is really important. I, I think that what we're doing here is we're also developing these business model or structures which are very decentralised, not just in the way that the money flows work, but also in the way the control and the power works. What we're creating is a, is a template or a, a basic set of operating rules for local groups to figure out how does that basic set of local rules work best for their local context and the local circumstance. So it's a system of eco economics and a system of governance and, and a system of organisation which can be replicated. Now, one, one, one thing that I find really fascinating about that is that if you sort of look at, look at the emerging knowledge around the way First Nations Australians had a continental system of governance an organisation. It's very much like that. And I was really captured by this idea that Australia can be the place where we start developing a model which is actually going to solve a bunch of the big world problems that we have. And it's not just white society that's doing this, it's actually taking inspiration from First Nations principles at the same time. And I think that's a really exciting and deep idea that sort of we can potentially think as sitting behind this as well. So now, don't make no mistake, Kevin and I aren't Indigenous dudes, but uh, <laughs> we're just keep. I am just keeping one eye on one eye on that because I think it's a really interesting synergy, I suppose. Yeah. So what we're doing on the governance, we've got. So if you've got a, this essentially is a decentralised business model. We've got to actually have decentralised governance because the governance of any organisation traditionally has actually determined the way in which the administrative structures work. So we tend to have hierarchical business structures because our governance is hierarchical. Shareholders own this stuff here. They appoint 
a boss, he appoints some other people, they appoint something else. These people are responsible, these people can tell these people what to do. Cooperatives don't work that way, right? We can't tell each other what to do. We've got to come to an agreement as to what to do that. Now, setting up that, that sort of governance, that's what the NINA group are trying to do. And so we have a meeting with them mm -hmm. um, to, to try and figure out how, how a cooperative can work efficiently because you, because you can't actually have everyone having to agree to everything all, all the time. You have to be able to, to have people take responsibility, well not people, groups take responsibility for particular sorts of things and, um, and do the work because you can't sit around waiting for everyone to decide to agree. So, you, so how, how we do that and how we structure that is a really interesting problem and we need to sort that out. You would need regular communications from all the groups to everybody and a mechanism for people to lodge complaints if they thought it was going in the wrong direction, I suppose. So all sorts of stuff like that. Mm. We're not starting from zero. I, I, you know, we, we, haven't, we haven't really started down this path in earnest, but I'm guessing from what I've heard from people talking, including Kevin, but also some of the people at Nina, we're probably going to take some sociocracy models exactly as they work or adopt some of those. So mm. that's the basic governance. Yeah. I, I suspect we probably won't go down the holacracy route just because it's mm. been, it's like the governance system perfectly suited co to cooperatives being shoehorned into a corporate model. Well, mm. yeah, I think we'll definitely look at it and take some inspiration from it. Yeah, you wouldn't want to take anything as a whole. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah we probably Taking bits and pieces from lots of things, that's mm. definitely a good way to evolve something better. Yeah. And then, of course, because this is all underpinned by a concept around apps, embedding the governance rules into the app is, is critical. So it's actually all integrated. Mm. The financials, the governance, uh, and the way the, the way the communications work. Now, we also need to be able to involve the government, let them know what we're, how we're doing, because um, it's not going to cost them anything but they need to know what we're, what we're doing mm. because they may wish to be involved in a strange thing that happened. Is it involved in legislation or can you work under existing laws? It's the cooperatives. So the National Cooperatives Law. Mm. But if you're asking about the energy stuff, we think we're all, we're all okay with the energy stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah. The, the energy stuff, um, because it's just pre-sales, it's not an investment in the normal sense of the word, it's just a pre-sales. We think it's okay and our preliminary investigations with ASIC and APRA and Tax Office have indicated that it probably is okay. But they won't say anything until you actually tell them exactly what you're going to do. Sounds impressive. Sounds like I've been ringing the Tax Office and APRA and you've been doing all the hard work on that one, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you really have, like. Yeah. So, so, the, so the tax office, remember we're doing a discount thing here, the tax office at one stage tried to charge people on a discount, the value of a discount, and the courts disallowed it. Nice. So at the moment now discounts are not taxable. That would have been a can of worms if it had been allowed to go ahead. Mm. Think how much, of, how much discounts are offered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the issue with a market, um, 
we, we can't set up a market in rights, but we can allow people to transfer rights and do whatever they like with them. But we can't operate a rights market. But the, 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 the transfer and trading in a non-market situation, in a peer-to-peer -peer way, can be governed by the rules of the court. Yeah. So we can stipulate the terms by which those transactions like can and can That's been done by both solar share and by um, an over, you know, just a really simple way. They provide a forum where people can come to yeah. either buy or sell yeah. what they own. What I was more thinking was, you know, can, can th this right to invest is actually quite valuable. We might say, if the dynamic is double your money back in 15 years, that you can you can pass it on to someone, but only within these parameters. Mm -hmm. You can only take a certain portion of it for yourself, which means you're passing on one and a half times your money back. And, and you don't. Want then you're keeping half. Yes, and you, you don't want to be getting investors who are not going to be cooperative. Because whoever you sell it to has to become a member. That's right. Mm. So everyone, anyone who you sell it to automatically becomes a member and agrees to buy power from the cooperative when it's available. And then increasingly yes. when you have these conversations, as I'm finding repeatedly, every time, you, every time I have these conversations, I'm like, but this is just, this is a cooperative problem. This is how cooperatives operate anyway. So mm. no this problem. is just yeah. what we do. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Mm. Cooperative stuff is all about being able to trust the other people so that when they do something it's transparent and you and you say okay that's okay I'm not getting as much as I could perhaps out of this but I'm willing to go along with it you're compromising continually in terms of your own benefit associated with your group benefit and your yields are other than financial as well mm. the other yields that you're getting a cheap energy into the future and a reasonable return on investment as well for me, for example, with our house, if I buy the solar panels, that actually doesn't increase the value of my house. The value of the house is not increased because it's got solar panels on it. With this arrangement? No, with the, with the, with the current arrangement. If you put solar panels on your roof, that doesn't increase the price of your house. Well, that could be argued, I think, Kevin. The price of the house is set by the market. And the market is essentially set by how many bedrooms you've got, what's your location, um, and so forth. And yeah, but it, it, is, it, it does include other features and attributes. You just named a, a, a couple. Of, and yeah, that, 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 that list has got a very long tail. And one fine. of them will be mm -hmm. solar. Yeah. But it's not one of the prime moves. No. Yeah. 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 And it's probably not sensible. Like, it wouldn't be... I've installed a $5,000 system there, so for the value of my house going 5000 it would be, we need to disconnect I'm now moving into a house where the price of electricity is 70% the group price. That's, That's more valuable, valuable mm. in a sense, than the other one. Sure, I can see that. Well, you would be selling separately your membership, as well as the house. No, you don't sell no. the membership. It just comes with the place. Just comes with it? Because the panels are owned by the cooperative. So the people who join in would have to become members of the cooperative. Mm. And if they didn't want to, you'd just go and it. pull them off. Much easier than putting them on. That would be a, that would be a minor shock to the overall cop because yeah, all the same that that's that's part of the model here, which is mm. that those sorts of shocks can be absorbed by the the whole group of people participating. And also because you're responsible for maintaining an emergency response for a whole swag of installs. Mm. 
having a little supply of spare stuff is going to be useful. Mm. Yeah, sure. Mm. Mm. I'd love to be able to get rid of my other panel and put a co-op because I don't have to worry about maintaining bloody things in the future. That's a bit of a worry to me. I can't get up on roofs now at my age and, and clean them even. Right? So, so it's a bit of a problem. Mm, okay. This interview was done in the studios of Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM in Canberra, Australia. Community Radio relies on its listeners for funding. If you enjoyed this program and would like to hear more programs like it, please donate by going to 2XXFM.org.au, click Support 2XX, and then donate, subscribe, volunteer, or sponsor us. Thanks.